0: Hmm. I had something I was going to say, but I can't remember what it was.
1: Feel free to interrupt me. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like now? Like that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, until I can jog my memory. Oh, no, 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 no. I know what it was. Welcome to the Interstate Gamers Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, a.k.a. Slugs. My name is Peter, a.k.a. deal for real and I'm also your host. So as you know, on this podcast, we rate and discuss some of our favorite video games. The goal here is to spark conversations and fun discussions about some of the video games that we uh, have played in our lifetime and uh, have played recently and whatnot, and perhaps even get a little bit critical about them. So if you've listened to this podcast
1: before, you know what it's all about. Yeah, we're trying, to, we're trying to dig deep into why we like the games we like, uh, why we don't like the games we don't like, although we haven't yet talked about one of those. <laughs> we had one planned. It kind of fell through. Um, yeah. But maybe you can track that one down on eBay, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I plan to, um, not to disclose what game it was, but we had that in the plans, but that was right at the time we finished the last podcast and uh, started where, well, I was moving, um, so that's kind of the reason behind the delay in this next podcast. I've been moving, uh, moving a lot of furniture in, moving my stuff in. I have I was homeless for a while <laughs> while I was waiting for my new apartment. Whoa. And I started a new job and everything. So that transition kind of brought about the delay and things. And I also was kind of busy over the past few weeks. So it's only a week late. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that all of our fan are displeased. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I we'll, will will make it up to uh, all of our fan. Dude, do you <laughs> realize it's been a month since we last recorded? Wait, really? Like Oh. Yeah, it's been it's been like 5 days short of a month. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, cuz we did the uh last podcast, we did it we recorded it pretty early. Yeah, we recorded on like the 25th of, or 27th of January, I think. I was looking at the Discord earlier and that was our last interaction there. So uh Yeah, but I hope we're not rusty. I've been listening to many different podcasts, so I hope that I've been you know, learning by uh, osmosis, keeping the skills fresh. So I'm excited. I'm excited for this new episode. It's like a coming back to something we haven't done in a while, and I'm pretty stoked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, moving
0: on to the uh, beer segment. Drum roll. <laughs> um, the famous beer segment. My lovely girlfriend... <laughs> Brought me some beer for this podcast, and it is the Round Table from True Vine Brewing Company, uh, based out of Tyler, Texas. Tyler, Texas. So it's it's pretty local over here from where I'm from and <laughs> these yonder parts, but
1: uh, <laughs> it's pretty good, actually. Uh, it's an amber, so I do like my ambers. I'm not sure that I've ever had too many ambers, actually. Really? Yeah, I don't think I have much of an opinion on them from lack of experience, but uh, the beer that I got here in my hands is the Claymore Scottish Ale from local Denver brewing behemoth, if you will, the Great Divide Brewing Company. I like Scottish ales. I grew up sort of with one in Arizona during my college years, the Kilt Lifter from Four Peaks Brewing. So I got a taste for Scottish ale through that beer, and uh, I... Remain a fan of Scottish ales. I'm enjoying this Claymore that I've got. It's in a bottle. It's only my second ever bottled beer I've drank on the podcast. So shout outs to bottles. Shout outs. Shout outs. But yeah, I'm enjoying it, and I'm actually sort of almost done with it actually because I've been I've been I've been here for a little <laughs> while. <laughs> oh, that sounds like you need to uh, pull a uh, Yeasty Boys, and we need to take a break
0: so you can refill.
1: Yeah, <laughs> refill with a different kind of beer because this is the only one I had.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love the name of that beer actually play more that's pretty cool if you're keeping up with your interstate gamers podcast trivia you'll recognize that this is the first podcast the first ever podcast that i have not had a shiner beer for oh
1: shit (laughs) what up
0: so i'm breaking the mold we're setting new new barriers here like new boundaries we're ready to go we're fresh and i'm on a new computer that's also something that i didn't Tell you guys, my previous computer that I was recording on crashed, so you could see is the reason for the delays. But anywho, I believe we have a game to discuss today. Enough about all these technical difficulties and and beer talk.
1: What about the meat and potatoes that we all know and love? Gotta get those potatoes. Yeah, it's the largest category in the food pyramid. Anyway, this game we got here. <laughs> this is a uh, you know we've been reviewing pretty old games on the podcast. I think. Mario Kart 64 was from, like, 94, 96 or something. Star Fox is from 97. Roller Coaster Tycoon is from 99. But for this game that we got today, we are jumping ahead into, the, into future, the future. The far future of 2004. And this game is a game for the Game Boy Advance. It's not the most famous Game Boy Advance game, so it's possible that some listeners will be hearing about it for the first time. But this game is Kirby and the Amazing Mirror. Oh, shoot. Why is it so amazing? I don't know. Shit. (laughs) Why is it so amazing, you ask? We have
0: no idea. Actually, we do have amazing. It is amazing because it's like a portal, dude, to other worlds.
1: It is. And we'll talk about that in a somewhat literal sense, actually, here in a sec. This game was released in 2004, in October, in North America at least, on the Game Boy Advance, Um, like most, if not all, Mainline Kirby Games is developed by your boys at HAL Laboratories. This game was also developed by Flagship, which I think was a somewhat short lived developer that did some work on Kirby Games. For some context, the Game Boy Advance itself came out in June of 2001. So this game came out about three years after the release of the system. So I guess a little late in the lifespan, you might say. Mm-hmm. And this is actually the second Kirby game on the Game Boy Advance. The first one was called Nightmare in Dreamland. Mm -hmm. And it was a remake of the first ever Kirby game, which was called Kirby's Dreamland. So this game actually reuses a lot of assets from the previous Game Boy Advance Kirby game. And that's something that I'll talk about a little bit. Um, But it's a solid game. It's a fairly unique Kirby game. And we'll be discussing that as well shortly. Kirby's a character that I think our friend Kevin here has a pretty strong attachment to in some ways. Uh, Yeah, I actually uh, wrote that down in my notes. Uh, I main
0: Kirby in every single Smash game. Everyone. You could say that I don't main him in Melee because I kinda switched to a Puff. Puff is such a more superior character than Kirby that Puff tends to shine out and get me more of the W's, but I still technically main Kirby in every single Smash game. And it started with Smash Bros. sixty four. Um I've played Return to Dreamland. Well it's maybe it was Dreamland Three, I think. I, I can't remember it' was one of the dreamlands yeah. <laughs> and I played that on the Wii U because I bought on the virtual console I beat that one honestly that one wasn't too hard or whatever but uh I've played superstar beat that one with James uh our good friend James young and then uh this one I've also beaten this one so these are the that's kind of my experience with Kirby I don't have a huge um what do you say following of the kirby series i haven't played a ton of them even though there's a ton of games out there i don't have to get the next latest and greatest kirby game <laughs> but amazing mirror was definitely by far my favorite uh, kirby game so i'm excited to review this one i've also dabbled in other ones like the 64 and the wii u one but i never finished them so
1: yeah that's my experience my experience is a uh, sort of similar I grew up actually renting Kirby Superstar somewhat frequently for the Super Nintendo, and I love that game. That's my favorite Kirby game, and I'll actually be making some comparisons between that one and this game because there are some natural comparisons to be made. I do have Kirby 64. I think it's a really cool game. It's not my favorite, but there are some really cool things going on there. Beat that one as well. I've got this game, Amazing Mirror. I've got Nightmare in Dreamland, which is the quote unquote. Prequel to this game, I guess predecessor would be the better word. But anyway, the point is, is that Kevin and I, we're not Kirby experts, but we are Kirby fans. And uh, <laughs> do you want to do you want to start talking about the gameplay of Amazing Mirror? Yeah, let's delve into the gameplay, shall we?
0: All right, after you. Okay, for Kirby game, uh, I would say you know compared to the other Kirby games I've played, this one is pretty challenging. Uh, I wouldn't say that was. Uh, quite as easy as the other ones felt. Um, although I will say when I was doing my uh test re-test run of this game I was playing on a laptop which was awful. Straight up <gasps> awful. I don't recommend that. You heathen. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a heathen. But I couldn't find my <laughs> OG copy and I tried to purchase it on the Nintendo eShop but sadly it wasn't there but the trailer for it was there so Weird. I, I could be missing something. So somebody at me um, on how I could get that for my DS, if I can, if I can't, that's I, w- I hope that's something that they add later on. But um, anyway, yeah, it's it's definitely more challenging than a lot of the other Kirby games. Whereas I think the enemies they respawn when you leave the area a lot of times. Not not every single enemy, but a, most of the enemies, if they get off screen and you come back, they respawn, which can end up like you you randomly getting hurt and hit.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. That's always been kind of a nuisance.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but it, I think it makes the game kind of challenging in some ways, but also annoying in others. Um, so you could argue for or against um, that method, but I, I would say that it... I do not And I don't know if this was implemented in other Kirby games. I'm sure it was to an extent, but I felt like there was a lot of respawning in that game, which made it pretty challenging. Um, also... As a lot of Kirby games are, if you want 100% the game, you'd have to uh, get certain powers to reach certain locations. And I thought all of those locations that were hidden were brilliantly placed. Another thing that I liked about this game was uh, the navigation through the levels. You have a hub world, right? And then there are several mirrors that you can navigate through to get to different levels. Um, and each level can connect either connect to different levels or back to the hub world or to a boss. There's several different paths you can go. Right. So, for example, if you have, if you go and say one mirror, and that mirror leads you to two different mirrors, um, which often happens uh, in the hub world. So you go from the hub world to a different mirror, which kind of takes you to a level um, where you typically have two options. And let's say you've been in the left mirror before. And you've gone all the paths you can possibly go in that left mirror. That mirror will be just a solid, you know, regular door. But if there's on the right door, if you haven't been to a certain kind of path um, within that door, that door will shine and it'll have a shining star over it. And those shining stars will lead you to a new path or new destination that you haven't been. So I really liked that mechanic about the game. And I thought was very intuitive.
1: Yeah, it complements the map system nicely as well. Because y- there is a map system where you can pause and you can look around the world. You do have to obtain maps like in the Zelda games to really see the full details of where you are and where you can go. Right. But having that little built-in navigation of having the, having the unexplored mirrors be highlighted, that is a huge help. And I'm glad that you pointed that out because I think I actually forgot to write that in my notes. <laughs>
0: Yeah. No, I really enjoyed that. Um
1: Did I touch on uh, water mobility? I don't think you did actually.
0: Okay. Uh yeah, that was one thing I wasn't too big of a fan of. Water mobility was ugh, it was pretty poor. Uh I didn't enjoy it too much. Uh the combat in the water, I know you could spit water at people. Um very effective. Very effective. Still it's only four directions and I, I don't know. I just didn't enjoy water the, the way they did water. I mean, I don't know how many different ways you could do water in, an, in a video game, but uh, it was very stressful when I went into the water.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's compounded by the fact that in this game you lose your ability after getting hit once. Yes. And, like, if, if there's a ceiling above you when you're in the water... Your ability star is going to float up to the top, and you won't be able to get it, and it, you just lose your ability. Yeah. So it's very, very punishing when you're in the water. It's already pretty punishing to lose your ability after one hit anyway, but do that in the water, and you've got yourself a problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hard to get it back because <laughs> you can't, you can't inhale anything underwater. So except water.
1: At least there are some abilities you can use underwater, like sword and hammer. I think. True. But a lot of them, probably the majority of them, you can't use them in the water. So. Right. It's not a very fun time. Um, but yeah,
0: overall, uh, I thought it was very, like I said, very challenging. It left you wanting to explore the game to find new powers and new levels because you would encounter new and different powers as you go. And I guess, I'm not sure about this, but with each iteration of a Kirby game, you might encounter a new power that you haven't seen before. So that's always pretty exciting. At least for me, it was new experiencing those powers um, because I believe that was my first Kirby game. So as I'm playing, I'm learning about all these new and different powers and who I can absorb and who I can't, and um, it was very fun for me to go along the way and figure those things out, as much as explore all the different levels and find as much as I can. I absolutely love the calling mechanic, and I don't know how you feel about it, But I absolutely love that you can call your friends and find batteries and stuff like that to, uh, or battery power to call them. For them to not only help you out, but to give you health. Yeah. I thought that was really cool and really interesting that they implemented that.
1: If I can chime in about the calling, for those of you who are unfamiliar, in this game, the gimmick is that Kirby was split into four Kirbys by Dark Meta Knight, who's kind of like this evasive bad guy that you kind of run into every now and then so throughout the game you and your three other kirbys are exploring the world and they're controlled by computers unless you're doing multiplayer which you know makes sense but you can call the other kirbys using your cell phone which kirby has now it's probably like a motorola razor or something where you can call your fellow kirbys and they come out and help you wherever you are you can also call an uber basically that takes you back to the main hub world which is actually (laughs) pretty helpful and i do love that feature Otherwise, my opinion, I think, differs from yours and that I think that the whole 4Kirby thing is pretty dang unnecessary. <laughs> mm. I do like the way that multiplayer makes use of that. I think this game, I've never played this game multiplayer, but I've seen a Let's Play and I've imagined it longingly, and it seems really awesome. Um, so it's cool that there's kind of a built-in way that it handles that from an in-game perspective. Like, oh, if Kirby's already split into 4, then it then your human friend can jump into one, and that's cool, right, right. But in single player, I think it's fairly stupid. There are some puzzles where you have to get all the Kirbys together to like help you inhale a huge block and move it out the way or something and I just think it's kind of dumb um mm. I don't know i never I never got enjoyment out of the cell phone thing personally, right, but if you have one or two or three friends with you, then it seems really great, yeah. I guess, you know, if I was ever in a pinch,
0: those guys were, one, really good distractions, and two, they could take out some enemies in the area, and three, and they could heal me by, ironically, I guess, I don't know what the method they're supposedly using to heal me with, is either like bird feeding or kissing, but...
1: It's the um, smooches.
0: (laughs) Yeah, those are the healing smooches, and sometimes they'll give you an extra life, so... Um, I found it pretty interesting, but yeah, the Uber, <laughs> I like that <laughs> reference, the Uber back to the hub world, that was pretty cool too.
1: Take me home.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I really enjoyed it, but uh, to each their own, that's just part of my gameplay that I enjoyed. I also thought it was really cool, uh, spoilers if you were planning on playing this game or haven't played this game, that you could eventually get Meta Knight's Sword.
1: Yeah, that's the
0: sickness. The sickness and the good kind of sickness. And uh, to go along with that, the story for this game is, I, for a Kirby game, I feel like it's a pretty cool story. Like, it's like a... It's cool. Badass. That's a good way to describe it. It's kind of like a badass Kirby game. I'm not going to lie. Like, a lot of them, you know, Kirby kind of acts like a kid or a baby, but this one feels more adultish of
1: a Kirby game,
0: if, if that makes sense.
1: I'm not sure it does, but I'm going to have faith in you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Maybe it's just
0: me, but um, I don't know. The whole fact of Meta Knight and Dark Meta Knight and splitting up the mirrors and you have all these different Kirby's and um, I don't know. I found the story pretty cool. For being as vague as it was, Meta Knight is always a really cool character and the fact that you get a sword to fight Dark Meta Knight – you have that cool bond with Meta Knight. Like, yeah, I got you, homie. I know we've had our differences, but I got you, homie.
1: <laughs> I love the relationship between Kirby and Meta Knight. It's really cool. It's like there appears to be, you know, nothing really concrete there. Like, I'm sure there's some crazy backstory, but for those of us who don't know it, it's just like, oh, these guys seem like they had some beef, but they quelled it. And now they're cool. Now they're tight and they like bar each other's <laughs> swords. Like, that sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds pretty badass to me. Yeah, right. All right. I'm starting to see where we're coming from. I'm starting to. I'm starting to warm up to the idea. Yeah. Badass Kirby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, that about does it for my gameplay uh, excerpts. But
1: um, you got anything else to add to that? Hell yeah. Actually, on the topic of Badass Kirby, this isn't necessarily directly related to this game. But there's this funny trend that you can see. uh, There are a couple of pages that point this out. But if you compare the different box art of... American Kirby games versus Japanese Kirby games. Um, The most common change is that in the Japanese version, Kirby will be smiling and looking cute and stuff. Mm -hmm. But in the North American box art, he'll have like some mean mug on, like, you know, he'll have angry (laughs) eyebrows and a frown. And so there's like a TV tropes page about this or something, and it's called American Kirby is hardcore. (laughs) And it shows him like, and all the different box arts, like, you know, side by side comparisons with Kirby looking really happy in Japan, and then looking pissed off in America. Like, oh, I wonder what this says culturally. Yeah. Cute stuff isn't cool in America. I think that might be changing recently. I think this mainly held up kind of in this era, like the 2000s, when and like the late 90s, probably, when things were supposed to be super cool and edgy and extreme. Yeah. (laughs) Super Super cool. cool. Super cool. (laughs) Yeah, so a a little bit of an aside there. I do have some some uh, points I want to expand on that you kind of touched in the gameplay section. Expand dong, expand dong. <laughs> so in the <laughs> on the topic of navigating and the way that the world works, one of the reasons that this is a unique Kirby game is because I think at this point, I'm not sure about nowadays, but I think at this point in the mid 2000s, it was the first ever Kirby game where the entire game was a sort of open world, interconnected sort of affair. You had a little bit of that in Kirby Superstar. Uh, the Great Cave Offensive, which is uh, the treasure hunting sub-game. But this is the first Kirby game where the entire game is like that. And so, for a little bit of context, it fits into the sub-genre called Metroidvania, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term, Kevin. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a subgenre where games take elements of the game franchise Metroid and also the game franchise Castlevania, hence Metroidvania. And games that are in this category, they're often sort of interconnected rooms, like, not necessarily linear. Often in these games, you unlock more of the world by getting new powers or abilities, which doesn't so much apply to this game. In this game, you can sort of get to most places with whatever means you have. Some areas, yeah, they're blocked off by certain abilities, but for the most part, it's just you explore everything. But this is the first Kirby game that really, you know, made the whole game about that, and I think that although the gameplay of a Kirby game doesn't necessarily require a Metroidvania landscape, I think it's really fun. And I think that exploring the world and discovering new things and even venturing out with your little Kirby friends if you like that, like that's all really cool and the first time a Kirby game really did that to this extent, so I think that's really neat. Definitely one of my favorite things about this game.
0: Right. Right, and correct me if I'm wrong, but some of the previous uh, Kirby games like the uh, whatever Dreamland one that I beat (laughs) (laughs) You could go from level to level um, in a hub world, but you'd have to unlock like level one. You'd have to play level one to unlock level two, and so on. They didn't interconnect, and uh, that's to your point where you're saying this one really shined was that um, they could interconnect between different levels.
1: Yeah, and and most yeah. previous Kirby games, or at least the the Dreamland series, I believe. Yeah, you had, you had the hub world, but it was kind of a fake hub world because you just walked to the door for level one and that was <laughs> level one and you beat it and then you're back in the hub world and you go. To, so it's basically a menu, but in the game, which is actually pretty cool. I actually quite like it. I think that's Kirby might have been one of the first franchises to do that. I have no idea if that's true or not, but it was the first games I play that did something like that. And so the way that you navigate in this game, Amazing Mirror, it's kind of a natural evolution i think from the way that the dreamland series used to do it right the other thing i want to comment on is the abilities you talked about how in your experience the different kirby games kind of introduce new abilities and gave you new things to learn i agree with that i think that most kirby games do make an effort to include one or two new abilities and i think they're always hyped up by nintendo like oh in this game you can be a dog and you can dig (laughs) holes which actually was a pretty decent ability in one Kirby game. <laughs> or in <laughs> this one you can you can become water Kirby and shoot water and it's like, well you can already do that, but now you can do it on land, so that's cool. And other <laughs> stuff. But my main comment on abilities in this game, first of all, it's that they introduced the smash ability, which I guess ironically is the best ability in the game in my opinion considering that Kirby is one of the worst characters in Melee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which was the most recent Smash game when this game came out. Right. But my larger point is that the abilities, I think, feel pretty imbalanced in terms of some of them being way more fleshed out than other ones. There are a handful of abilities where you can do all sorts of different things with different inputs. For example, well, the Smash ability for one, you can use his up B, you can use his down B, you can use his side B with different commands. And there are a couple abilities like that. One of them is the fighter ability, which is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. But there are also a bunch of abilities where you like literally just press B and the same thing happens every time, and it feels just half-baked compared to the other ones. Yeah. In the predecessor to this game, the the previous Game Boy Advance game, Nightmare and Dreamland, the abilities were all a little more simple. Like, if you take the simplest abilities in this game, that's how almost all of them were in the previous game for the Game Boy Advance. So this marks an improvement in that regard. But in a game like Kirby Superstar, which is many years older than this game, all of the abilities were fleshed out. They all had multiple inputs. Everyone felt just as viable, so to speak, as the others. And in this game, it really doesn't feel like that. It feels like in this game, you want to have Fighter or you want to have Smash or maybe like, um, what's another fun one? I can't even think of any. Like, there's just, there's just that few that are that good. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I it, it feels like it devalues the other abilities to me to have a couple that are just so much more fun, in my opinion. Yeah.
0: To that comment or to that end, um, I remember from Superstar playing it with James, he'd often use like the electric static one where you like you run back and forth and you shoot electricity or whatever. And then the one in this game, you just sit there and it launches electricity around you. It's just, like it just hovers around you and you don't do anything. You have to stand still, like why couldn't they have implemented something like that? Into, exactly. It's a
1: downgrade in a lot yeah. of respects.
0: Yeah. I, I kind of agree with you on that. I, I get your point.
1: Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's a Kirby game. And Kirby games are pretty inherently fun. Like, you get to you know swallow up enemies and steal their powers. And, and uh, the game controls really tightly as well. I find it to be a very responsive game. I love the physics. This is a really geeky thing to say, but I feel like the sense of gravity is really good in this game. (laughs) Um, I tend to not like floaty games, so that's a personal preference. Right. That's one of my reasons why Super Mario World is my favorite Mario game, because it's one of the least floaty ones. But uh, at the end of the day, it is a Kirby game. Feels good. You get to kill cute enemies with fire and (sighs) ice and swords. Oh, the sword ability. That's another good one. How could I forget?
0: Yeah, how could you?
1: I don't know, man. I'm I'm sorry, sword. But yeah. <laughs> Although I know that I just levied a bunch of critiques at this game, but honestly, I'm a pretty big fan of the gameplay. Right. Uh do you want to get to our individual ratings? Uh yeah. I came in at a hot, fresh
0: ninety three for the gameplay.
1: We need to get a sound clip for that. <laughs> air horn. Airhorn sound clip. I do have an air horn that I could uh, uh a virtual air horn I could bust out.
0: Oh, get it like a physical air horn. Never mind. Just go <laughs> da, 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 da. clip the mic. <laughs> I'm sure my
1: neighbors would love that. <laughs> yeah, same. But cool. What did you get? I got a four out of five, a.k.a. a hot, fresh 80. Hot and fresh. Yeah.
0: Ding, son.
1: If all the abilities were a little more fleshed out, like I mentioned, that alone could probably bump it up to a five for me, honestly. Right. Okay. Well,
0: I guess that does it. Okay. So moving on to aesthetics, then I'll just start with. Well, we'll just discuss the visuals here. Um, so in terms of the visuals, I in for Kirby game, I thought it was pretty aesthetically pleasing. Although when you mentioned the point that they uh, reused a lot of assets from the previous Game Boy Advance Kirby game, uh, I guess that. Hinders my opinion of it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly what it looked like, but I would say that it's still overall um, pretty extravagant, quite colorful, and still pleasing to the eye. The hub world was pretty cool looking. Everything seemed like everything was looked pretty good, in my opinion. Um, ha- having not known that, at least they placed those assets well. I mean, sure, it takes out some uh, creativity value of it but I will say that it's still in my opinion is pretty aesthetically pleasing Um, but knowing that I guess does kind of affect my score of it Mm. but uh, overall like I said solid effort Um, some of the power the moves for the powers looked pretty cool Um, like the fighter ability Um, I like hitting them and then like if you hit somebody it kind of like it's kind of like the jab in the new Super Smash Bros. Where, like, if you hit them with a jab, like it jabs until you let go of the jab button. Yeah, it's kind of like that effect. I, I really liked that kind of uh, visual effects that they had on the moves and the like the stars bouncing around. And, like I mentioned earlier, um, the shining star leading you to where you want to go and navigate. So, um, I'd say overall a pretty solid effort,
1: I would say so as well. You know, I was thinking about whether I would let it affect my score, the fact that a lot of the assets were copied over from the previous game. Cause I wasn't sure. I, I see the I see the merit in creating new stuff for a new game like that makes sense, right? But at the end of the day, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's another approach. Right. Um so I was kind of going back and forth. But I think what I landed on personally is that I would have liked to see a little more unique approach to the visuals. There are a lot of new elements in this game. Like it's not like they copied literally everything. There are a bunch of new enemies, some new landscapes but Kirby himself looks almost exactly the same most of the time. And since you're looking at Kirby all the time, that's when it's really noticeable that they're reusing stuff. Yeah, And uh, a lot of the sound and some of the music even is reused as well. So that's kind of another thing. But we'll, we'll get to that in just a sec here. But I do think that the game is beautiful. I love especially the backgrounds. A lot of the levels, I think they're really well rendered. They're very artistic and very painterly is the word that we would use in the visual arts industry like they look kind of handmade and they probably were at some point mm. i'm sure that they had some really beautiful concept art for these backgrounds but just everything's so vivid and colorful and which is really what you expect from a kirby game if you're at all familiar with them but it's it's just such a nice world and and every every area there are nine areas in the game i believe and every one of them is very visually distinct and it helps you know where you are right it helps you navigate if you're like oh i'm in you know i am suddenly i'm in a gross purple weird cave thing i must be in world 3 right or i'm in the stars oh there's only one star level it's level 9 so i must be in that world and that just helps you it it really ties in nicely with the whole open world interconnected navigation system i think
0: right i you make a really good case for that um i was pretty compelled <laughs> i was feeling pretty <laughs> depressed about the uh the reused assets but now you've lifted my spirits again <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I mostly agree with you. I don't really have anything more to comment on uh, due to the visuals. I I feel like they're pretty straightforward um, in the fact that it looks good.
1: (laughs) So, yeah. I do have a a couple little tiny nitpicks, but I think they're sort of amusing. Okay. The first one is that, and this is a direct comparison to previous Kirby games, uh, including the Game Boy Advance one and also including Superstar. But one thing I liked in those games, and this is kind of a weird thing to like, but as you moved forward through the game, you would start seeing the same enemies because they can only design so many enemies, right? But they would palette swap them just for fun, just to like make them look cool <laughs> and different. And in this game, they do not do that, and I actually miss it. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not really important. I'm not letting it affect my score. It's just something that I wanted to mention just because I think it's weird that I even liked it in the first place. Yeah. One thing that's kind of funny is that in Nightmare in Dreamland, the previous Game Boy Advance game, the first time I ever played that, I was borrowing it from a friend, and I started at the end of the game because I was playing on their save file. And by the time you get to the end of the game, all the enemies have been palette swapped, so they're not their usual colors. And then I thought, oh, I should probably start my own game. And I started my own game, and then all the enemies are their normal color. And I'm like, whoa, they're all different! like Because I didn't know any better. I didn't know that they like, did the <laughs> palette swapping stuff. Right. So, funny little tidbit there. Um, the other little visual tidbit that I want to hint at is the health bar that shows up whenever you attack an enemy. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of enemies having different amounts of health, but I don't think that showing the health bar is really necessary except for the mini-bosses and also like the large enemies. There are some enemies in the game that are not mini-bosses, but they're larger than normal ones, and they take a fair number of hits. So, it makes sense, I think, to show a health bar for those guys. Still probably not necessary. But it makes a little more sense, I think
0: don't they show it only for people who take multiple hits?
1: No, they show it for every enemy, but if you hit them in one hit, then usually it just goes from one hundred to zero right away and it disappears really quickly. Oh, I gotcha.
0: I only notice it when it takes multiple hits, but I guess you know that's the only time you're looking at it. yeah, I didn't mind it too much, but it it does help me know of like, okay, I still need to hit him or how many how many more hits I got in this guy whereas most uh Enemies in Kirby's games take one or two hits, like, you know.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I think it's not terribly necessary is because most enemies take one or two hits. Uh, A lot of them take one if you have, like, an ability that isn't shit. But one of the reasons I mentioned the health bar, I, I do find it a little distracting, but the main reason I mentioned it is for this next point, which is that it also displays the name of the enemy. Which I really appreciate. I always enjoyed knowing the names of enemies in the games I would play, just as trivia. But a lot of enemies in this game have really stupid names. <laughs> so there, there's an enemy who looks like a little water drop, and its name is Droppy. There is an enemy that catches on fire to attack you, and that enemy is called Flamer. <laughs> and this is one of my favorites. But there are three enemies with the word box in their name. One of them is like a fighting type dog, basically. So that one's called Box Boxer, <laughs> which is actually kind of clever. But then there's a miniature version of it that's called Boxen, like boxing without the G. And then, to round out the trifecta, there is an enemy that is a like a gift box that is evil and attacking you, and that one's called Boxy. <laughs> so you have Boxen, Boxy, and Box Boxer. Yeah, Okay. They're cool. There's an enemy that's like, you know the little star blocks that you find everywhere? There's an enemy that's a disguised one of those, and that one's called Blockin'. Oh boy. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, just, oh my god, it's just so lazy and like... Yeah.
0: <laughs> I guess that's part of your critiques for uh, uh, content. It sounds like some content critiques there.
1: I guess it is, but like, I wouldn't care if the enemies had stupid names if it didn't show me to them constantly. Right. <laughs> With the health bar.
0: right. Talking about all this kind of reminded me of an instance. It, it, it's not super relevant, but uh, you were mentioning enemies and multiple hits and yada yada yada. Uh, when I called, in, <laughs> this is kind of the downside of calling in your friends. I I called in my little Kirby friends, and uh, one had the explosive like bomb power. I don't I don't know what the power is called. Crash, I think crash okay he had that ability and immediately used it as soon as he got there he just like blew everything up and i was like wait no like i didn't need to hit some of that yet (laughs) (laughs) it's like dang it (laughs) Uh, it's just funny how the ai kind of works they just kind of go crazy with that but I, I, i do like the AI overall but yeah anyway it just made me think of that yeah um cool story so is that about does it for your visuals? I, I I would say, or I'm done. Cool. I gave mine a 93, a hot fresh 93. I'm still unaffected by the reuse of assets. Like you said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it.
1: Yeah. Well, as I said, I decided to let that affect my score because I think it's a little lazy. And so my visuals still got a good rating though, still a solid four out of five.
0: Okay. Awesome. So that's moving on to audio. I thought it had some really catchy theme songs, which of course were reused over and over and over again from the Kirby series, and you know, but still catchy um, to the point where you're humming the songs. So not bad. Um, I loved the little uh, nuanced sounds of the game, like uh, calling your friends or the crunch of like a enemy hitting you or or bomb or something like that. Uh, I really enjoyed that uh, the vacuum sound that it makes when you're sucking in things.
1: <laughs> um
0: <laughs> 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 There's our best interstate gamer's impersonation of that sound. But Good job. Uh, yeah, no,
1: we did it. Oh,
0: oh, and the star bouncing around the level I thought was pretty cool. I don't know if they did. Uh, you might know this. So, the Game Boy Advance speakers—was there just one speaker? I can't remember.
1: There was one speaker, but it does have stereo output through the headphone jack.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So, could you tell like left and right
1: on headphones you could, but it only had the one speaker on the actual device.
0: Okay. Well, at least they had that. That's a pretty cool thing cuz like you would know where the star is cuz sometimes you can lose track of your star. Yeah, I thought the star bouncing around and uh, especially if it, you know you can detect whether it's left or right um would be very useful. So, those are those are kind of my takes on the game uh of course you got your popular kirby songs that are like I said very catchy
1: yeah but some new themes as
0: well oh really
1: yeah I think I think a few of them
0: see uh you know like I said it's my first kirby game so I you know going and I haven't played too many of the kirby series games but I do know some popular kirby tunes and those are the ones I know the most so I kind of consider them to be like the standard but it might not in fact be the standard on every account but um,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um on the topic of the music itself, I think that as far as Kirby games go, I don't think this Kirby game has the best music. I think that Kirby Superstar I hate to keep referring to Kirby Superstar, but I, I really do think it's that good. Um that game and I think even Kirby sixty four have some just more interesting tunes where like the melodies and the rhythms are just they're more complex. There's a lot of crazy chord changes and key changes in a lot of those older Kirby songs. I say older, like compared to this game, it's maybe six or eight years. It's not a huge difference. I do like the music in this game, but there are just Kirby games with better music, so the bar is just really high. And then, regarding the sound effects, a lot of them were lifted from the previous Game Boy Advance Kirby game, which I find a little more forgivable than lifting a lot of the visuals. Like sound effects, I think most people don't really think about all that hard most of the time, but the sounds are really satisfying. So I especially see why they didn't replace some of them cuz they still work really well like like you said the crunching of hitting or being hit by enemies it's a very painful like acute sounding sound and a lot of sounds in this game share that kind of lo-fi like crunchy aesthetic but then you also have some sounds for example from the fighter ability where you hit somebody with your uh, sure you can and it goes <laughs> like a you know stupid action movie sound and it's really satisfying it's really <laughs> fun to you're punching this cute little dog enemy. He's like, <laughs> <"Push, push, push." laughs> like, "Whoa, calm down, dude!" <laughs> yeah, but that's fun. One little weird thing that I've always thought about this game is that I think that the bass guitar and the various soundtracks is always really, really loud, or like it just sounds super prominent. It's like, "Boom, boom, 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 boom." And I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I don't know, just. This isn't like a serious critique. I'm just I'm just kind of naming things that I find funny. But yeah, you can. Kinda... Yeah, the the bass player's going nuts in this game, especially compared to the previous one.
0: Yeah, he <laughs> really is. Now that I've, now that you mentioned it, I I can I'm envisioning myself playing the game, it's something I've never noticed. But you know, you being a uh, the musician that you are, and you you have such attention to detail when it comes to a sound. I'm not sure if
1: is a detail, but, you know, there yeah. <laughs> How did that go again? Uh, you, you can rewind the podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, rewinding podcast. <laughs> anyway. Um, Peter yeah. Williams.
0: Um, but, yeah.
1: So, I don't really have anything else to add. Yeah, me neither. My audio, once again, three in a row four out of five (laughs) the triple oh baby a triple how about
0: you my man uh i got an 88
1: okay a little lower but still uh still very close to your previous scores all things considered right
0: um so averaging those together i think you get a 91 yeah 90.5 which you know that rounds up it does so, uh, yeah, that does it for Aesthetics. Uh, my Aesthetics overall is 91. Uh, yours is obviously an 80. <laughs> yep. But, but uh, moving on to content, I believe you had a lot of, if I remember correctly, you had a lot of things to say about the content of this game.
1: I'm not sure I have as much to say about the content as I did about maybe Star Fox 64, but I got some things to say. Okay. First of all, To go back to something I mentioned at the beginning of this cast, this entire game, the entire format is kind of inspired or lifted in a way from the sub game called Great Cave Offensive from Kirby Superstar, which I think is really cool because that I think is a lot of people's favorite part of Kirby Superstar. So they took that and built it into a whole game in a way that works really well, which I think is awesome. But the game I think is decently long. I feel like there's quite a bit of stuff to do. There are a lot of items to find. There's a lot of collectibles, actually, which is one of my next points. Um, you can collect things like pieces of music that you can play in the sound player. Kirby games have always been really good about sound players, so I enjoy that, being the person that I am. But you can also collect little cans of spray paint that you can use to change the color of your Kirby, and I think that's really cool. Yes! I love that. Oh, I love that. And, there, and there's like 12 of them, there's so many and they they're really awesome. Yes. Some of the collectible items are not really all that cool. Like I think it's weird that you have to collect different sheets or different sheet music pieces from different places. I think that's kind of weird. But I don't really care cuz at the end of the day you find a cool spray can and you're like, "Oh shit, this is dope." <laughs> like now I can be yeah. black with red feet. That's cool. That's that's my favorite personally. But yeah, just it's really cool. Like it's it's uh it's a treasure hunt with purpose, I guess, because you do get stuff that Although it doesn't necessarily help you in the game, but um, yeah, it's cool. I like the spray paint. That's kind of my my biggest comments on the <laughs> content. Actually, is that spray paint's really cool.
0: Uh, yeah, that's actually one of my big ones. I did like to roll with uh, my my classic uh, blue Kirby that I use in all of my uh, Smash Bros games. Yeah, but uh, I do like the being able to do that. Or I think I ran around with some the the grape Kirby for a little bit. Um, yeah, no, that was freaking awesome, Um, and then the fact that you could collect things around the map uh, was pretty cool. I didn't really... For those who love to 100% games and go for things like this, this is perfect for you. You you could go all over the map just to get these certain items, and you'd have to... you know, Like James would do in his superstar runs, and he'd go all over the place to get certain powers and stuff like that. For those who love to do that, for Kirby games. That is definitely, it leaves you wanting to 100% the game for sure. I think for a Kirby game, it has excellent content. In my personal opinion, the content doesn't really wow me, uh, per se. I've never f- played a Kirby game to go get all of the, you know, like you said, sheet music and stuff like that. Now, while it was a cool addition. The content for me was exploring all of the different levels and getting all of the different powers and, uh, basically getting that room where you could get all the different powers and perhaps playing the Mennonite battle over and over and over again. Yeah, But once, you know, I got a pretty high percentage of the game, I do like the percentage meter uh, that all the Kirby, I think most Kirby games have.
1: A lot of them do have it, yeah.
0: The, of uh, how much you, how much percentage of the game you've completed. That did leave me wanting two hundred percent the game. At least, clo- like, that alone <laughs> was like, oh, I got a I got to get a 100 percent so I could show all my friends, right? So um, that was pretty cool, but it, it in terms of the content itself, it doesn't really wow you, and you can't really do anything with the content per se other than you know like play some sheet music and stuff like that. I guess as a kid, it didn't particularly wow me other than the competitive aspect, um, which I guess they kind of got you there. but um, the multiplayer modes, uh, there weren't many. there was like three. Well, no, they're not multiplayer. It's like the sub games. Sub games. Yeah, it's not really multiplayer. Um, but basically, there's one where you could press A faster than all the other computer Kirby's, or you could. I guess you could play with uh, other people too.
1: You can. Yeah.
0: Okay. That that only makes sense. <laughs> but um, you could eat eat some food on a plate faster than other Kirby's. There are different. There's three different levels of difficulty. I enjoyed the rock breaking game. I thought that was cool. I always tried to do that every once in a while. Once I got tired of the uh, main storyline, I remember on my uh, Game Boy Advance, I'd be like, oh, "I'll play that. That's pretty cool. It's challenging enough, and uh, I like to see the ground break all the way down there. So that that was pretty cool. And then my favorite, my absolute favorite, is the uh, the surfing one, where you jump off of the uh, the waves.
1: Yeah, that one's awesome.
0: And you go really fast and stuff like that. Yeah, I I just played that before uh, this podcast, and I was <laughs> having a lot of fun with that. I was like, "Ooh, I want to play more." But uh, yeah, so not the greatest of content, but still a decent content.
1: Yeah, Kirby games have never. They do have a tradition of having mini games, but the focus has always been on the single player, or in this case, you can do it multiplayer, which I think extends the life of the content if you have a friend with you and you can approach the game however you want. And I think that that flexibility increases the value of the content. But in general, Kirby games have always been about the gameplay and about the aesthetics, I think, more than some of the other games we've talked about. I think that aesthetics really are a super huge part of Kirby. And the way that you emphasize the aesthetics is by having all the different worlds, which we've talked about. And I think in the case of this game, the worlds are expansive enough that the content serves the aesthetics and vice versa. And I think that that's really where the game shines from a content perspective more so than like the mini games, which are, I think they're pretty much there so that if you had a cartridge and your friend didn't, you could still link up and play a mini game. I think that's one of the main reasons why they had those in the first place. Right. But outside of that, the one thing I do want to mention that we haven't really covered is the final boss sequence in this game which I think is actually quite cool. So, spoiler alert for Kirby and the Amazing Mirror, which came out in 2004. (laughs) The whole game, you're defeating the bosses of each area, and they give you shards of the mirror. And once the mirror is complete, you go into the main big mirror, and that's when the final boss sequence begins. So you start off by fighting Dark Meta Knight using the sword that belonged to the real Meta Knight. He's still alive. He's just, like, injured or some shit. I don't know. He can't fight for some reason. And so you take metanite sword and you kill dark metanite which is awesome and then you fight the main big bad guy which is like called dark mind or something it's a fairly generic spooky demon whatever thing but it has this big like glowing eyeball on its chest and you have to defeat it four times but each battle is fairly short and you like have these little interludes where you navigate through a level before the next stage and once you do that four times Then the true final form is revealed where the big glowing eyeball in the chest becomes the entire boss and it becomes really huge. And it's like actually kind of legitimately scary. It's a big flaming eyeball with a smaller eyeball inside of it, and like it's you're on this like rope or something and this vortex of red wind, and it's very (laughs) creepy and like Kirby games sometimes they have really creepy final bosses. I'm not gonna lie, this isn't the only one. Right. Yeah. They kind of have a tradition of that. But then the cool thing is you defeat that form and that's when you like kind of win the game. But then after that there's sort of a bonus mode where you're on a warp star and you're, you're chasing the boss through the corridor. You're on your warp star and you shoot the boss and it's, it's, it becomes like a little top-down shooting game, right? Right. Which is actually pretty fun. But then when you get the boss's health down to zero the credits start rolling but the boss isn't dead yet. It's still alive and kicking. And... As the credits are rolling, the screen kind of dims, but you can still see what you're doing. So you can go around and keep shooting the boss, and then at that point, a little counter appears, and it keeps track of how many times you hit the boss. Okay. But it doesn't really matter, because like, you don't get stuff for hitting the boss a certain number of times. It's purely for fun, which is all right. I think that's kind of cool. But what I was wondering is, if you're shooting the boss while the credits are running, and you're like not really paying attention to the credits, I wonder if that cheapens the game or cheapens the end of the game and makes it feel less like a like a cinematic ending. I don't know. Do do you have any thoughts on that? Um You can say no, it's fine.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to come up with some BS answer but no. <laughs> no. Well, I think the idea here is a lot of people don't like to sit through credits. <laughs> Kind of like Smash Bros, right? I think they did the the same thing.
1: Well, not really, because in Smash Bros, you're you're interacting with the credits themselves. Like you are literally shooting the credits, and this one you're not <laughs> doing that. Okay, yeah. I think there's but, a difference. You're laughing, but I think there's a legitimate difference.
0: Okay, there is a legitimate difference, but in a broad spectrum or. Of uh looking at things. It's something to do while the credits are rolling. Yes. And you know, being that it's Kirby and Smash Bros. and uh
1: Masahiro Sakurai.
0: Yeah, mash mashed potato <laughs> samurai. Yep. <laughs> he uh given that he makes both of these games or he was a developer for both of these games, it makes sense. But I he actually he wasn't a the developer for Amazing Mirror, was he?
1: I do not know.
0: Hmm. Uh something we ought to look up. For our fact-checkers out there, um, let us know, was Mashed Potato Samurai or Mash- Mashir Sakurai? I don't know how you say his first name. But, was he the developer of that Kirby game? We could just easily look it up. But um, Anyway, I think that's just the general consensus behind it. There's a lot of parallels with Kirby and Smash Bros, so it's kind of easy to draw those comparisons. But I get what you're saying at the same time. You're interacting with the Credits, as opposed to behind the scenes of the credits, um, but I think the purpose of it is generally the same—to keep you busy. Because uh, a lot of people would rather just turn the game off, or reset it, or not watch the credits at all.
1: Yeah, I—I I guess I can feel that. It's just that I appreciate credits. I—I I don't know. I guess that's the extent of it. <laughs> as a creator, yeah. You, as a creator, uh, I appreciate credits. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, uh, does that do it for you on uh, our content? It does indeed, my friend. Cool. Well, what did you get then? Are you ready for this? Gave it a hot, fresh, solid, chocolate-filled five out of five. What? I did not see that coming. Really? I, hmm. I guess I did like nitpick a lot there at the end, but <laughs> yeah. no, I, I I I like nitpicking. Okay. Call the cops on me, I guess. But yeah, this game—it's <laughs> okay. it's got a lot to offer. I think, especially for a for a Kirby game, I think the content's really strong. Five out of five.
0: Okay. Well, I actually got an eighty-four on this. Uh, Whoa. this section. We were opposites. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, like I said, doesn't really wow me with the content, but is overall solid. Eighty-four is not a bad rating. Um yeah. And. It kind of helps bring me to the score I was trying to get around uh, of our our overall score. If I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and get into our overall score. Sounds good. But my average score for all of these is about an 89.33333333333. Oh, great. Yeah. (laughs) So that rounds to an 89.
1: (laughs) So, um. That I can live with.
0: Yeah. Um, but I was thinking around an 88 or 89 for this game and, uh. I think my scores kind of reflect my opinions on that. So, um,
1: yeah. Cool, man. Well, my score is actually quite similar with my 4, my 4, my 4, and my 5. comes out to 17. I multiply that by 5, and I get an 85.
0: Ah, yeah, we are pretty similar.
1: Which I think is the fourth game in a row that we're pretty similar on.
0: Yeah, I, I'm pretty proud of that fact. I mean, obviously, we'll get one uh, sooner or later that... We're not going to have the same opinions on, but as a podcast about video games, it does help that we have similar views on video games, um, slightly different here and there.
1: Yeah, you know they say a house divided cannot stand. <laughs> right. Somebody once said that. I'm not sure who. I think Masahiro Sakurai once said that. <laughs> Mashed potato. <laughs> uh,
0: anyway, um, that brings our IG score to an eighty-seven exactly.
1: That's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm pretty proud of that. I think that is a very accurate score. I wonder what the Metacritic score for um, the Amazing Mirror is. I actually normally I look that up. Um, yeah, I'm,
1: I think I think I did actually a week ago, and I'm surprised that you didn't because normally that's your gig. Yeah, well, I'm looking it up right now. I think it's actually in the mid 80s. It's a solid 80. Oh, okay, it's the low 80s. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: is the 80. Right. The 180. Yeah, get some journey going on in there.
1: Don't stop.
0: Anyway, so that does it for our, uh, our rating for this game.
1: I have a fun fact about the Kirby series that I meant to say at the very beginning, but forgot. Oh, what's that? So, the very first ever Kirby game was Kirby's Dream Land, which was released for the Game Boy in 92. And in this game, Kirby is not pink, he is white. And also in this game, there are no copy abilities. You just, like, kill enemies other ways. It wasn't until the next game, Kirby's Adventure, for the Nintendo Entertainment System, came out in 93. That game was the first game where Kirby was pink, and also the first game where he had copy abilities. Oh. So I was kind of interested in that, actually, because I couldn't think... Offhand, of many games where the sequel introduced some of the most distinctive parts of the game. Do you know what I'm saying? I feel like with uh, with Mario, for example, in the very first Mario game, you had Goombas, you had Koopas, you could jump and kill stuff, and you get mushrooms. Right. I'm not going to go into all the games I can think of because it'd be too many. But yeah, pretty interesting to where the second Kirby game is the one that really set the stage for all the future ones. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. A good sophomore effort, as we yeah. say
0: in the critic biz. He did not have the sophomore slump. No, not at all. Well, cool. Uh, thanks for that little tidbit there. Um,
1: <laughs> You're welcome, <laughs> I guess. You didn't sound very happy about
0: it. Well, I actually, um, when I as soon as I was saying that, I thought I accidentally closed my browser, which had all my notes on it. So I was like, oh, uh, no. <laughs> but I actually didn't, so... Okay, good. We're good. We're living. So, that will move us on to our favorite segment of the day. Ooh, baby. The quick attack section.
1: (laughs) I wonder how many of our listeners love the fact that we do that, the air horn thing. (laughs) Probably, like, one.
0: (laughs) One single user. It's me. One out of one. Yeah, one out of one. So today's words for the quick attack section, <laughs> they're rootin' or tooting. Oh, boy. <laughs> so are you rootin' or are you tooting these things? So, uh, you ready to get started? Ready to go. All right. Here we go. Fortnite Season 3 is coming out today, which today is February 22nd, 2018, Um and it seems poised for another good season. They've added a lot of features, a lot of guns, a lot of a lot of stuff, and the popularity is growing rapidly. I know we've talked about it before on a previous Quick Attack section, but uh, are you rooting or are you tooting the uh, success of this game?
1: I'm going to give more or less the same answer I gave last time, which is that if people are enjoying a game, I have to be happy for them, so I'm rooting. <laughs> Right, <laughs> it's just it's just hard because I haven't personally played Fortnite or a similar game, so uh, yeah, kind of looking in from the outside here.
0: Right, they've added so much to the game. Uh, if if I'm just going to give my personal opinion, right now it's my game of choice. Ooh, uh, Aaron and I play it a lot. Uh, one of the guys down at uh, the Easy Boys podcast. Shout out to the Easy Boys podcast. Yeah, uh, who I apparently apparently I'm not on this podcast, but. <laughs> we won't mention that we won't get into that anyway next... do such a
1: salty Sally
0: <laughs> salty Sally anyway Spyro Remastered is coming at a PlayStation 4 this year are you rooting or are you tooting
1: rooting baby <laughs> full disclosure I've also never played a Spyro game so <laughs> oh really yeah were they all on the PlayStation do you know yeah for sure okay yeah well that explains it I never had a PlayStation well Okay, I had a PlayStation, but it was my brother's, and we only had it for a short amount of time. But, uh, yeah, so uh, I, I'm just happy for everyone else, honestly.
0: Yeah, I played it on the original PlayStation, but I never owned it. Um, but it was always one of my favorite games to go over and play at people's houses. So I'm really excited uh, to
1: see that series coming
0: back to life. So,
1: Hey, here's some food for thought. Are you familiar with the recent Crash Bandicoot HD remaster? Uh, I know that it exists. Okay, well, I'm just going to briefly mention this, but a lot of fans of Crash Bandicoot were saying that the remaster kind of brought out some flaws in the original game design, like flaws that weren't really seen as flaws back then, but now they kind of are because games have improved. Right. And so I wonder if this Spyro remake or remaster would suffer a similar fate, where people would say, oh, it's not as great as we remember because things have changed now, or, or if it'll just hold up really well. I don't know. I've never played Spyro. I don't know how it'll hold up, but that's just something I'm interested in hearing moving forward.
0: Right, that's a good. That's a good point. Um, it's a. It's kind of your typical uh, early 2000s, uh, late 90s platformer. No, I, I see your point there. We'll we'll have to see uh, the general uh, how people view that, but sure. good point. Um, so Nintendo announces a new mobile video game, and guess what it is this time? I'm not even sure how they're going to do this. Mario Kart. You rooting? Or are you tooting? Whoa! Uh,
1: hold on, I need to think about this for a sec.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Blew your mind there.
1: Uh, rooting? I mean, yeah, I want to see how they do it. Um, I, I, I guess it's not that hard. Like I've seen people play racing games on phones before. I the idea of playing game. Uh, this is how much of an old man I am. The idea of playing games on phones is still weird to me. I've like never yeah. really played a game. I haven't had great phones ever, but. You know, like, it, it still seems weird to me. But it's Mario Kart. I Only only so much can go wrong, I think.
0: <laughs> right, right. Okay. Uh, lastly, uh, Nintendo, also another Nintendo fact. We've got a lot of those. Um, Nintendo is also planning to launch an online paid service for the Nintendo Switch. Um, are you rooting or are you tooting?
1: Do you mean an Xbox Live sort of scenario?
0: Yeah, it's a subscription of sorts.
1: Uh, well, riddle me this first. Did they do that for the Wii U? Do you know?
0: They did not. Um, they did not. I believe it was in the plans, but I, I don't know that it ever came to fruition. I believe the idea behind it is to, uh, you know, when you get free paid service, uh, not a lot of people have a lot of motivation to put any emphasis or effort into it. Uh, that's why PlayStation and Xbox both have their subscriptions uh, for their online service, but ideally, this makes their service a lot better. It gives them the ability to not only do like, add more content or justify adding more content, but um, adding security to it as well and perhaps useful features. However, I will say you still won't be able to communicate with other people uh, through the console itself, you have to communicate with them through the app. So I'm not really sure how that's going to go. So you have to be hooked up to your phone while playing your Switch to chat with other people.
1: That's weird because I understand that. Uh, I, I think Nintendo has a hang-up about people potentially like using foul language at each other. You know, right? Like because they've always been like that. But if you can still communicate on a on an app that is, I assume, a Nintendo app, then they're still kind of doing that, right? Like I. Right. Maybe there, maybe there's some other reason. Maybe the, maybe you can get better functionality out of the cell phone or something. I don't know, but uh, seems kind of weird. Yeah. Overall, I will say, I'll say tootin for the sake of saying tooting. <laughs> right. Because you haven't
0: said tootin yet. <laughs>
1: yeah. You haven't been tootin yet. I can't be a positive Peter the whole time.
0: Yeah, positive Pete. Pistol Pete. That's what it is. That's what you. Yeah. Are. That's what they call me. So uh, that was it, all the ones that I had, but you had mentioned that uh, you're, you aren't very hype on mobile gaming, so I thought I would ask you rootin' or tootin' on this. Are you rootin' or are you um virtual reality
1: gaming? Oh, man, this is a whole, like... Just, to, just a quick answer. Okay, quick answer, rootin'. There we go, quick answer. Okay, um, cool. But... I, I just haven't been keeping up with it enough to know the technology and to know people's plans for it and all that stuff. But, I mean, it seems cool. Like It seems like some future shit that I could get on board with, so.
0: <laughs> right. Okay, well, cool. That, that about does it for the segment, so. That's all I got. Cool. Well, that
1: about does it for our podcast. Peter, where can people find us? Oh, let me count the ways. Because they are many and varied. So... <laughs> We're on Facebook at the interstate gamers, search us on Facebook, whatever we're there. we're hopping. We're on Twitter. We're at the i g underscore cast now, Kevin, I've actually been meaning to ask you, does the Twitter handle of the interstate gamers not fit? Yeah, it did it wouldn't let me do that, okay. I was just kind of wondering this whole time,
0: yeah, so I had to do something uh shorter and more
1: concise, right, that makes sense so. On Twitter, we are at the IG underscore cast. That is also our Reddit username if you want to see the one comment I made on our Reddit account where I was like promoting (laughs) us to some other people. So there you go. You can find that if you want. You can email us at theinterstategamers at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love to hear any questions you might have about things we've talked about or things we haven't talked about if you want to toss us a curveball. Really, just like any sort of message would be nice. We're, We're desperate to hear, guys. Please. anything anything actually no you can can hit us up on twitter too we got twitter yeah probably our most accessible form yeah kevin is the real social media guru here yeah social media rock star ninja guru whatever
0: yeah i keep up with that stuff a lot
1: yeah Uh, i think that covers it
0: i did want to say if you're wanting to look at in detail uh, reviews that we've got going on So far, I've been working on a subdomain for our website. So you can find it at www. (laughs) or http, whatever you want to do. But uh, you can find it at games.theinterstategamers.review. It's a subdomain of our main website. You can find the list of all of our games and our ratings on there, as well as you can rate it yourself. You can rate it uh, out of five stars. That's pretty cool. wanted to... uh, do some interactivity with our audience a little bit. I plan to implement something in the near future, probably in the ne- by the next episode of some kind of interactivity that you guys can either send some stuff in or we could figure out ways to uh, get you guys involved. I've been looking for ways to do that. I think I've got some ideas, but uh, so stay tuned for that. You can also find a spreadsheet of our ratings and our scores. Um, in a more detailed manner at, I think it's tinyurl.com slash IG ratings. Am I I right? That's correct. Sweet. You can find our in-depth scores for our past episodes and uh, things like that. Don't forget to subscribe or follow. We'd love to hear some stuff from you guys, Uh, as Peter mentioned. uh, We're definitely looking for
1: fan mail. Leave us reviews on iTunes as well. Oh yeah, do that. Do that. So speaking of reviews, I do want to give some shout-outs to podcasts that I've been listening to lately, trying to spread the love a little bit. One of them is the famous, the oft-mentioned, the infallible Yeasty Boys, who we've referenced, I think, in probably every single episode so far. They're a great bunch. They are uh, very entertaining. They come at you every Monday most of the time. So if you're looking for a good time and want to hear some brew reviews and hear them answer some tasty cues, hit up the Yeasty Boys. Another podcast that I've been a fan of is For Pod's Sake, which actually was recommended to me by the East two boys. On For Pod's Sake, you have three great friends, three best friends, dare I say, who <laughs> talk about different. Um, they talk about a lot of pop culture stuff. Basically, the format is each of them brings a question to the table and they all spend time discussing each other's questions. And they talk about some really interesting stuff, some stuff that I don't know about that I've been learning about. I'm not caught up, so I don't know how good their new episodes are, but their old ones are definitely pretty good. So, <laughs> I can say that. Right. So, Eastie Boys Podcast, and For Pod's Sake. Clever name also, by the way. Both both of them clever names, actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that actually is a... <laughs> I love that name. But, uh, yeah, give them, give them a follow, a listen, subscribe, whatever. Give those guys some support. Well, uh, you got anything else for us? Um...
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh that's going to wrap up the podcast then. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. We're sorry it's late, but we had some reasons. Right. We'll try to get back onto our bi-weekly schedule from this point. Hopefully, it works out. But uh, if it doesn't, just sit tight and we'll get some new stuff to your earballs shortly.
0: Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you later.
1: Yeah. Get there on the perfect line,
0: please. <laughs> I waited the cinema, too, because I said, oh, my God, this might be the end of the podcast.
1: And it is, for sure. (laughs) All right, see you guys next time. Thanks so much.